0: welcome to the bluff first podcast we pray that this message would encourage and enrich your life for more information please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com good morning No, it's already been said but welcome to bluff first we hope that you uh have felt comfortable this morning hope that you felt welcome and uh you know some of you are local how many of you guys are from southeast missouri originally make some noise Okay? How many of you, by the grace of God, you got transplanted here? You're not from here. Okay, a few a few of you. Alright, awesome. So uh, if you're not local, you may be unaware of this sensation. But if you are from here and you've ever been like driving uh, between here and like say Sykeston or so, have any of you ever been caught off guard? You're driving down the road, minding your own business and then a shadow comes over you, and you're scared half to death by a, a little crop duster just flying over you on the highway. Uh, I remember one trip, uh, Pastor Max was pretty freaked out by that. It was pretty awesome. Um, well, we're pretty lucky. you know. They're, they're small planes. They don't make a whole lot of noise. Um, there's another part of the country where there's a, an interstate highway right next to a naval air station and a landing strip. So You can imagine uh, how much more you would freak out if instead of Uh, This little guy flew over you. Instead, you got one of these. So um, people were getting freaked out. You know, fighter jets were taking off and stuff. And so the air station uh, wanted to kind of warn people because there was like reckless driving happening because people got startled by these jets. And so they wanted to warn people uh, about the the, the jets and the noise. And so they put up a billboard. I think it's kind of clever. They put up a billboard that said, pardon our noise. It's the sound of freedom. Isn't that awesome? Uh, America, right? Okay. But we're, uh, you know, maybe you're new to this whole church thing. I know certainly, like, I didn't grow up in church, and so I can remember how uncomfortable I was the first few times I was in a worship service. Um, and I know it's a little bit corny, but we're kind of, we're talking about worship, and uh, we're talking about what it looks like to worship God freely and what it, wor- what it looks like to worship God uh, deeper, in, in a deeper way. And so this is week two of a series we just started um, last week called Deeper Worship. If you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you. Um, Go back and check that out, not because I had anything awesome to say, but because the Word of God has awesome things to say. And so we we were looking last week at, you know, what does it look like to worship God the way that he wants to be worshipped? You know, we tend to try to put our experiences kind of on top of the Bible. And this series about worship, and really any series we do, is an attempt to put what the Bible has to say on top of our experience and actually view our lives and our experience. Uh, through the lens of scripture, and so come to find out worship is not just a personal thing, it's not just a cultural thing, it's not just an internal thing or a preference thing. The Bible actually does have a lot to say um, about it, so we're glad that you're here this morning. If we haven't met, uh, my name's TJ, I'm the lead pastor here, and we're thrilled to have you, Um, but we're going to talk about worship today, and last week we said this, that of course, first and foremost, God wants worship from the heart, right? There's a a passage that says there were a people whose lips honored God, but their hearts were far from him. And so we know that's not the goal, right? We don't want to just have words and and expressions and actions that sound like we love God and we worship God and then hearts that are far from him. We have to start with the heart, of course. But the temptation for us, if we're a little more introverted or we're, we're maybe not used to this environment or whatever, is to let it stay in our heart and not go anywhere else, and the scriptures talk about this, and it says that, that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you believe something in your heart, if you believe something to be true, eventually it's gonna come out of your mouth. And so worship has to begin in the heart. We have to love God with our heart, but at some point it should make its way to our lips, to our hands, to our expressions. And of course, we talked about how our minds play a part in all of that too. We are, we, we, we have control of ourselves. We don't just check our brains at the door when we worship God. We think rightly and orderly and, and all of that. But also, we need our minds to help us because uh, if we don't think about the gospel and remember the gospel, we'll believe the lie that Satan is so good at whispering that worship is about you and how well you've done lately. right? So if you've had a great week, praise God, glory to God, and if you messed up and, and had a bad Friday or you got in a fight with your spouse on the drive here this morning, Well, then today you're not allowed to worship. Today you're not qualified. And the truth is, worship is not about you at all. It's not about your track record. And you worshiping in the midst of your shortcomings is not hypocrisy. It's actually declaring the truth of the gospel, that God is worthy of praise despite of all you've done. He's welcomed you, loved you, accepted you, gathered you in despite all your sin. And so it would be actually more hypocritical to believe the lie that I can't worship because of my sin or my shortcomings, that's not the gospel. The truth is you can worship right where you're at, right from where you're at, right in the midst of whatever you've got going on. Certainly, we don't wanna make a pattern of just not caring about how we live and then coming in and putting on a big show, but our worship is a response to what God has done and is doing, not what we have done and what we've been doing, okay? And so worship helps us in that way, and um, we talked about how it's kinda like when you're at a birthday party and you sing happy birthday, Nobody cares that we've heard the song a million times. Nobody cares that it's off key, right? What we care about is the person we're singing to and the people we're with. And so when we gather in corporate worship, we're singing to God and we care about the person we're singing to and the people we're with. And the awesome thing is we get blessed too. There's cake at the party in Jesus' name. Everybody gets something, okay? And so we're talking about worship. And um, in short, it's not about us, right? Say it's not about me. It's not about us. Worship is not about us. It's not for our entertainment. Listen, we don't send the band out here to warm them up a little bit before the ser- warm you guys up a little bit before the sermon. That's, that's not the point, okay? It's not entertainment, it's not just music. And we said this last week, it's not just for extroverts. It's not just for young people that have lots of passion. It's not just for musicians. And in the church world, it's not just for women, okay? A lot of times women are better expressing themselves in worship. And guys are like, I'm just going to hang out right here, if that's cool. In fact, I'd prefer, I'd rather leave, right? That's what some of us think. And, uh, and yet, in the scriptures, we see a different type of um, example of what, what manhood looks like in the Bible, guys that are strong and, and guys that are leading and that are worshipers. And so we're going to dive into that a little bit today. Last week was kind of Worship 101. Um, today, I want to paint maybe a little more in-depth, serious picture Uh, from the Bible, because I think, listen, I think in the world that we live in, our faith needs a little bit of a backbone especially if we expect it to like carry over to our kids if we expect our kids or people around us to live for Jesus long term there's all kinds of things being thrown against the church against the word of God in our culture and just dismissing it or changing what it says and so if we want to have faith that endures and faith that lasts in us and our family and our loved ones we need a little bit of a backbone and so to build that backbone today and to give us that strength and that focus, we're gonna look at what the scriptures teach us about this idea, this is the big idea for today if you're a note taker, I know like three of you take notes on Sundays, I appreciate it so much. Um, Here's the big idea, worship is warfare. Worship is warfare. (sighs) You guys awake? Worship is warfare, amen? Worship is warfare. Now here's what we're gonna look at. you might have to use the index in the front of your Bible, or you might have to Google to find this. There's no shame in that if you, if you haven't been hanging out in 2 Chronicles lately. We're going to be eventually in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And here's the thing. When we talk about spiritual warfare, some of us get excited and some of us get nervous, but most of us automatically start thinking, about these cosmic things, right? We think about this whole spiritual realm and devils and demons and spirits and angels and all of that, and if you, if you read your Bible cover to cover, you're certainly gonna see some pretty interesting stuff when it comes to uh, spiritual warfare. But unless you're really into that kind of thing, that can actually cause us to kind of disassociate and get disinterested in spiritual warfare because we think "Ah, it's a weird spiritual thing, doesn't have much to do with my everyday life. And and I'm here this morning to tell you that couldn't be further from the truth. Spiritual warfare is a daily thing for all of us. Like you might not know it this morning, but you are in the middle of a full-blown spiritual war even as I speak. And that war lives where you live and it works where you work and it sleeps where you sleep. It goes home to your house. That is a war that we are in all the time. Life is war. And if you don't know that and recognize that, you're not gonna be prepared to face the things that are gonna come against you. You're not gonna be prepared to deal with your enemy, to deal with a tough doctor's report, to deal with a tough season at work or whatever if you don't recognize there is a war going on. Life is war. You don't believe me, get married. All right? How, how, is, how can marriage be, listen, I have a great marriage, but sometimes it's hard, and I don't understand it. I'm like, I mean, we love each other. We know each other pretty well. We know that ultimately we both want each other's good and well-being, and yet sometimes that just doesn't translate into harmony, right? Sometimes it's, it's difficult. Um, if that doesn't convince you, take it further. Have kids, Right? You love kids. You love your kids. <laughs> what were we saying about demons and devils and all that stuff? Right? Like, it's, it's difficult at times. Children, like, it can be, parenting can be so hard. Church life. I mean, this is the people of God. It ought to be smooth and great, right? And yet, there can be church hurt, and it can be messy and confusing and painful. Finances, this should be simple, right? Like spend less than I make, save, but it can be such a difficult area of our lives. Thought life, anxiety, dark thoughts, whatever, trying to rein those in can be so hard. Sexuality is a battlefield that so many people are struggling with day in, day out. Life is war, amen? It is difficult. And here's the good news, I've said it before. Your enemy is not flesh and blood. And for some of you, if you heard nothing else today, this would help you so much, okay? Your enemy is not your spouse. Your enemy is not your boss. Your enemy is not your kids, okay? Your enemy is not flesh and blood. There's a spiritual war going on. There's a war between God's way, God's rule, his wisdom, his righteous, perfect way of living and the way the world should operate and everything else, which is mostly convoluted by our stupidity okay we have God's way and we have our way and our way is most of the times dumb it is selfish it is self-oriented self-centered self-focused short-sighted okay and so it's not just you know demons and devils and all of that but 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 life is war and it shows up everywhere it shows up when somebody cuts you off in traffic right you're like yeah I'm about to declare war right now on Westwood Boulevard, right? It's when somebody disagrees with you on the internet. It's when you don't get invited and they did, they did, them, you know? There's a war happening in our heart when nobody notices our hard work or somebody else that gets the promotion or we get the bad doctor's report or whatever. Life is a constant war. fought on the turf of your heart and mind, okay? and it's a war for worship. It's a war for worship. You are made a worshiper. You're designed to worship. Every person in this room, even if you're like, I'm not religious at all, you're a worshiper. The question is, do you worship God and submit to his ways and his wisdom, or do you wrestle away his spot on that throne And put someone else, something else, yourself, whatever, and make all these other things the king of your heart and your life. You are wired for worship. You look for things to love. You look for things to be in awe of. You look for transcendence and bigger and better and more comfortable. And and, and you look for these things. The question is, who wins this war in our heart? Is it our maker or just some lesser thing that he's made? And so we've got to know that we're in this fight if we're ever going to win it. And um, the truth is we're not made to just worship whatever. We're made to worship God with our whole selves, our whole lives, our whole bodies every day. And yet, and we know that, right? There's a part of us that's been made alive, if we're in Christ, if we're Christians, there's a part of us that's new. There's a part of us that's been regenerated by the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. There's a part of us that wants to love God and serve God and worship God, right? But there's another part of us, too. I don't know about y'all. I still got another part of me, too. This part of me called the flesh. And the Bible says whatever the spirit wants, the flesh hates. And whatever the flesh wants, the spirit hates. There's a constant battle within between me trying to live for God and me trying to live for me. So we're in this fight. And here's what I want. I want us to be good soldiers. I want us to be prepared. I want us to be I want us to be um, armed. I want us to, have to, to be ready and to be focused and to pay attention because that's the only way we can win. We're not going to win by accident. You're not going to slip and fall into wisdom. You're not going to accidentally have a great marriage and great kids and overcome a bad doctor's report and a bad meeting with your boss. You're not going to be able to do all that. It's not in you. Something has to happen inside of you or to you for you to be able to be victorious through all the things that life can throw at you. You could be cool in a good season. If, you're, if we're in a time of peace and there's nothing going on, you, you, might, you might have it. You might be okay. But if you're going to withstand all the storms that life can bring, and how many know a phone call can turn your whole world upside down? One little bit of news can change everything in your family. If you're going to make it through that with faith that lasts, You're gonna need some help. And I'm here to tell you this morning that worship is one of the best ways for you to get strong enough to be able to endure those things. You don't have it in yourself, but when you admit your need and your weakness and you worship God anyway, worship him for who he is, it actually strengthens you. It actually causes faith and hope to arise in you. And you'll start winning some everyday battles and you'll be able to get through even the toughest ones with God helping you and God in you and with you, whatever you face in this world. I like this picture, um, we're, I promise we're getting to Second Chronicles, but Psalm 149, five and six, I like this picture, it says, let the saints be joyful in glory, let them sing aloud on their beds, let the high praises of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hand. It's a picture of this worshiping warrior, praise in their mouth, sword in their hand. I just think of David, if you're, if you're, you know, if you've been around church at all, maybe you know about Shepherd David King David. I'm pretty sure if they had a dictionary back in David's day, if you had looked up the word worshiper, there would have been a picture of David. But simultaneously, if you look, looked up the word warrior, there would have been a picture of David. He was a great, mighty warrior and a great, passionate worshiper. And in, he played instruments. And he sang. And he wrote songs. He loved God with all of his heart and like. He's a bad dude, too. Like, he he could throw down, you know what I mean? He was in some battles. And for him, that that wasn't a contradiction. It wasn't like, well, you know, worship is feminine and and being a warrior is masculine. No, he saw no no problem being a worshiping warrior. And and that's where I want us to get to, where we have this strength, but we also have this tenderness of heart to the things of God. So 2 Chronicles chapter 20, um, I haven't got to do this in a while. We're going to kind of preach through a narrative today, a story. And I'm excited about it. Uh, there's lots of words I can't pronounce. So we're going to like, I'm from Carter County. We're going to we're gonna run it through the Carter County filter, okay? Um, right out of the gate, 2 Chronicles 20, verse 2. Messengers came and told, hmm, yeah, Je- Jehoshaphat? <laughs> we're going to call him Joe, okay? We're going to call him Joe. Everybody say Joe. We're going to make it easy. Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, I don't know. It sounds like an insult of some kind. We're just going to call him Joe. Messengers came and told Joe. Now, before we go any further, Joe is the king. Um, he was my age when he became king. He was 35. And he started out doing really well. His dad loved God. He loved God. He started doing well. Eventually, he aligned himself with uh, Ahab, was not doing so well, kind of went off and then kind of recentered himself. And so we find this story where messengers come and they tell him, a vast army from Edom is marching against you. Uh, from beyond the Dead Sea, and they are already, just suffice it to say, they are already close. They're already almost here. And verse 3, I think, is how any of us would respond. Uh, Joe was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. Like, if I told you this morning there was this city rising up, and weaponizing itself, and they're coming to conquer Poplar Bluff and kill everybody and everything in it. Some of y'all would be a little bit scared, right? Now I haven't heard anything like that. Last I heard, like we're good with Stringtown, fair dealing, Dexter. We're all getting along, okay. Um, but Dudley hasn't come at us yet. That's good news. Um, but we're we're you know they're scared. And Jehoshaphat, I mean Joe, was terrified, and he does a great thing. He begs the Lord for guidance, and he orders everyone to begin fasting. He's like, we gotta fast, we gotta pray, I don't know what to do. And so people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. There's a war coming, he's afraid, and he doesn't know what to do, so he starts seeking God. Listen, if you're in a battle, if you're in a war, and you don't know what to do, a great place to start is just to turn to God and you just admit you don't know what to do. And, and listen, we've already established this, we are in a war, right? We are in a battle, so we ought to be turning to God. Satan comes to, to, to kill and destroy. He roams about like a lion looking for someone to devour, but Jesus has come to give us life. There's this part of us that wants to live for God, there's this flesh that hates that part of us, right? So there's this battle in our hearts and in our world, and we should take it seriously, and it should scare us a little. It should scare you a little to think of what your heart is capable of apart from the grace of God. It should scare you a little to think if you don't, if you aren't living up to God's ways and God's standard, what what the long-term implications for your marriage or your children or your grandchildren might be. Excuse me. (coughs) I must have preached too hard at 9 o'clock. And so in the following verses, Joe... Uh, does some things that we should do he prays he asks God for help he remembers all the things God's done in the past and I encourage you write some st- when you go through stuff write it down somewhere so you can remember it's so easy to forget that God led you through the last battle but but log it somehow remember it recite it remind yourself what God has done before and hear him in verse 12 he says oh our God won't you stop them We are powerless against this mighty army. It's actually a collection of armies. Several nations have gotten together to overthrow his kingdom. And he says, we're powerless against this army about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. What a great posture to have. That's not weakness. That's humility. (coughs) We're gonna get through it. I'm in a battle right now. And God answers this prayer as he often does, not just by solving the problem, but by using somebody else, by using another believer, another person in the situation facing the same thing. And you look at verse 13, all the men of Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives and children. They're, 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 They're standing before God, seeking God. The men are leading the way. And the spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. and His name doesn't matter for, for us this morning, but listen to what he says in verse 15. He says, listen, everybody, listen, even King Joe. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, uh, march out against them. You'll find them, you'll see them coming, but you won't even need to fight, verse 17 says. Take your positions, stand still, and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you. That sounds awesome. That would be pretty scary to enter into. Hey, guys, there's a big, you know, giant army coming. Don't worry about it. Just go out and watch. We'll see what happens. Can I be in the back row, please, (laughs) as we watch what unfolds? I'm not real confident. But the Lord speaks to this guy, he says, do not be afraid, don't be discouraged, go out against them tomorrow for the Lord is with you. Verse 18 says that Job bowed low with his face to the ground, all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. The Levites stood to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. You notice this worship is not staying in their hearts. It's making its way to their bodies. It's making its way to their voices. They're expressing this worship and this dependence on God. And then verse 29, 21 is hilarious to me. It's so funny to me. Um, worship team, go with me here. All, all of you that serve on the worship team in some capacity. After consulting the people, here's the king's war plan. The king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they say, give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever. So there's a giant army coming, and we have sol- soldiers and shields and swords. Let's put the choir in the front row with no weapons. Y'all go first. Like, I don't remember, some of you guys, like, I don't remember hearing about that in the growth track when I signed up for the worship team. I don't recall that I was going to have to be in the front row of a battle with no weapons and just sting my little heart out, right? I, I'm not signed up for that, but that's the kind of unconventional wisdom that comes from the Lord, and look what, look what happens. At the very moment, verse 22 says, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused all these other armies to start fighting amongst themselves and to begin attacking each other. So by the time they get there, right, when the army of Judah arrives at the lookout point in the wilderness, like, how nervous are you if you're in the choir, right? Here we go. They get there, and all they see is all of their enemies laying on the ground as far as they could see. None of them had escaped. All There's confusion, and all these armies that were rising up to fight Judah fought each other and killed each other, and they didn't have to do anything, that's my kind of fight, right? I love that one. I get in the ring and the guy's laying on the ground already. I win. This is awesome, right? I, that's my favorite kind of fight is one I don't have to fight. And yet, this is a picture of the way that, that God works in our battles. God works in our situation. God works in the struggles that we are in. We turn to him in confidence, we turn to him, even with our fears, and we worship him, and we focus on him, and we seek him, and we pray, and we say, God, we don't know what to do, but we trust in you, and he fights battles for us. And so, look at this, not only is the fight over, and we would've rather there not even been one, right, and then not even anywhere, get anywhere near our land, but look what happens. The king and his men, verse 25, go out to gather the plunder. They've all, they've all eliminated each other and their stuff is just laying there for the taking. So they go out to gather the plunder and there's so much equipment and clothing and valuables, it's more than they can carry and it takes them three days to collect it all. And on the fourth day they gathered in what they thought was gonna be this brutal valley of war and loss and despair, this death valley, if you will, And they gather in the Valley of Blessing, which got its name that day because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. And it is still called the Valley of Blessing today. Thankfully, you and I, you know, we don't have any enemy armies again gathering together to kill us all, as far as I know. But we are no less in a battle. We are no less in a fight And when we admit that we are helpless and we turn to God in prayer and in worship, look what he can do. It's his fight to fight. He's not gonna be put to shame. He is not gonna be embarrassed. He is not gonna be outdone. He is not gonna be beaten. Our God is victorious. And he loves to take Death Valley and turn it into a valley of blessing. So worship is warfare and it brings about breakthrough. And, and, And listen, When you're in a situation that is scary, it is easy to not worship, right? Hey, hey king, um, there's, there's a bunch of armies gathering and they're almost here. It's so easy for God to be the furthest thing from your mind at that point. It's so easy to not stop and pray. It's so easy to not start fasting. Oh no, we need our strength. You better eat a good meal. We're about to fight, right? And yet he turns to the Lord. He realizes we have nothing else. We can't turn anywhere else, there's no, listen, there are certain phone calls, certain doctor's reports, certain situations that you run into, and and there's there's nothing you can do. There's no easy way out, there's no quick fix other than to turn to the Lord and say, we don't know what to do, but we trust in you. And when we do that, here's what's awesome, in the midst of your battle, in the midst of your tough circumstance, it's easy for God to feel distant, but when you worship him anyway, There's a certain closeness that that brings and intimacy that brings that just puts hope and faith and confidence in you. I've been in situations where I'm at church or I'm in a conference or service and I'm just enduring it. And I'm not there because I want to be. I'm just there. And it's funny, you know, it's cool when the preacher preaches right to you in your situation. That happens sometimes but I've been in way more situations where it didn't have anything to do with the preacher. We just sang some songs, we just had some worship time, and I entered in and worshiped God in spite of my feelings, and I left with a certain strength and a certain uh, vitality in me that wasn't there before. Because God brings victory to us through worship. And you know, it's funny, like, music is often involved. Music is powerful. We have national anthems and fight songs for a reason. Rocky had a soundtrack for a reason, you know what I'm saying? It does something to us. And you'll find music in every single culture throughout all time. There's always music. It's powerful, it's significant. So we don't just get together and sing some songs. And it's not about, oh, these these songs are too new, these songs are too old, these songs are too repetitive, these songs are too fast, these songs are too slow. We are singing biblical truths over ourselves. We're worshiping God. We're declaring who God is over our circumstances. We're participating in warfare when we worship. Pastor Andy, if you'd come. When we worship God, he fights battles we can't see. When we worship God, he unfolds plans we would have never thought of. I don't put the choir on the front row. That's not my idea. Of a, of a battle plan, but God knows things that we don't know. And you say, well, Pastor, that's Old Testament, you know, we don't have a... Acts 16, you should read it this week, Acts 16, a guy we know by the name of Paul and his friend Silas have had a rough day. There's no enemy arm, army, there's no uh, situation like that, but they, because of their love for Jesus and their preaching of the gospel, they've been stripped of their clothing, beaten with rods, put into stocks and locked in a cell in prison. They're more than likely going to be killed. How many know that's not a situation where you just feel like having a worship concert? right? You're beat up, you're embarrassed, you're humiliated. That's a situation where you could go, where are you God? Where are you God? And yet that's not what they do. They pray and they worship and they begin to sing. Now, if I'm in that spot, I'm trying to figure out my way out of that cell. Uh, Excuse me, we get one phone call, right? Don't we get one phone call? Let me try to find my way out of this. They just sing, and they worship, and something they could have never thought of happens. The Lord sends an earthquake that rattles the prison, and all of a sudden, they're free. And all the captives are free and the jailer is scared to death, naturally, and they they share the gospel with him, and him and his household are saved and baptized. That wasn't part of the plan, but God can do awesome things when we worship right in the middle of the battle that we're in, if we worship right in the middle of the war zone, if we worship right in the middle of our worst day. You see, in both these stories, people are in in a hopeless place. And they worship anyway, and God shows up. Neither of them had great odds, if you looked at their circumstances. Both were afraid. Both felt inadequate, I'm sure. But they worship anyway. And I'm not saying we just sting away our problems, you know, act like it's not there. I'm saying we trust the God that we know over our feelings, over our circumstances. We trust who he is. We trust his word that says he's never left us or forsaken us, and he's with us always, even to the end of the age, that he's coming again, and he's gonna set up a kingdom where he wipes away every tear, and death is no more, and disease is no more, and poverty is no more. We just believe the truth, right? We put our faith, what the Bible says, on top of our experience. And we worship anyway. And when we do that, God does something awesome. I love this quote. Bob Coughlin says, God isn't looking for something brilliant. He's looking for something broken. If you're here this morning, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're overcome with. I don't know what's going on in your heart or in your family, in your home, in your finances, in your body, in your sickness. I don't know what it is, but I know A great thing you could do, no matter what it is, is to worship in the war. And you know what's awesome is you can do that by yourself, but man, when we do that together, when we join together, when there's a whole room full of soldiers, God shows up and he wants to bring victory. He wants to move. He wants to do something awesome in our midst. And and yet still I think some of us go, man, I don't know, Pastor. You don't know what I've done. It's just so hard for me to believe that God would be for me, that God would be in my corner, that God would want to fight my battles. Like, you tell those stories about those heroes, and, and I'm no hero. I'm, I'm a loser. I'm a failure. I'm a sinner. I want to leave you with this this morning. The very last words of the Bible. In fact, stand with me if you would. The very last words of the Bible. Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. John writes, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. That's the last words of the Bible. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Listen, your sin doesn't get the final word. Your sickness doesn't get the final word. Your circumstance doesn't get the final word. Your reputation doesn't get the final word. Your family history doesn't get the final word. Grace gets the final word. The gospel of Jesus Christ. You are already loved. You are already accepted. You are already forgiven. You already have a God who loves you and cares for you and has a plan for you. And I know it doesn't make any sense and you don't see it. And it seems like, man, this whole thing's coming against me. This whole deck stacked against me. He has victory that you can't even imagine. Would you worship on in the war zone? Would you worship already before you see the victory? Man, I want to worship after he's broken the cell. After the earthquakes come, that's not how it works. The worship comes first. So this morning we just lift our voices, we lift our hearts, God we put our focus on you our attention on you and we recognize our worship is warfare our worship is a weapon we don't fight against flesh and blood we fight against spiritual principalities we fight against an enemy that we cannot see but we fight with weapons that he can see he hears our praise he hears our worship he sees our hands and hears our voices and he knows his day is coming he knows what's coming that we will be victorious that Jesus will reign forever and ever and ever. Let's worship our King together this morning. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For questions, prayer requests, and more information, please visit us on the web at blufffirst.com.